fair to say that David Coglin knows a thing or two about property. There's still demand, and I'm seeing that across the board. And he doesn't mix his words. If you don't have the stick, then you're relying on just the carrot, and sometimes that just yeah. doesn't work. Welcome to the Landlord Talk Show. How you doing, David? I do fantastically well, Ian. Nice to meet you again online. Absolutely. Listen, I mean, there's a there's a lot to get through here because I mean, if anything is under the spotlight right now, it is property, interest rates, the cost of housing. The entire subject is dominating newsprint everywhere right now. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, well, it's either that or Conservative uh, Prime Ministers, isn't it? Yeah, there hasn't been one for two weeks, a new one, so... <laughs> No, Big Bash Boris is what I'd say. Bring back <laughs> Boris. That's right. There's a lot of that going on online. Bring back Boris. So we will see. But I mean, the housing market is its own kind of economy, really, isn't it? Regardless of who's in power, it bubbles away. It does its own thing. It mostly goes up. Sometimes it takes a bit of a hit. And right now, where would you describe it? Is it just kind of a, a, just a little bit? It's just staying there. It's waiting around, hanging about to see what's going to happen next. Right, I think a very interesting question. Uh, a few angles on that, Ian, because I myself, a portfolio landlord, I've got 95 properties. I've got about 20 of them on the market myself, hedging my bets, um, and I'm selling some that are empty, some that need refurb, some that I've refurbed, some that I've got tenants in them. And, um, and I'm finding that there's still buyer demand but the prices have probably dropped by about 7%, yeah? Um, so one in Lincoln, I would have got 200 grand all day long um, in June, July. I've managed to get a cash buy-in at 188,500, and I thought, you know, that's pretty good. And I'm kind of seeing that across the board. But I'm also noticing that if you've got properties on the market, at the right price, and a lot of estate agents at the minute, and I'm putting a lot of mine, I've got my own company, National Residential Online Auction, Landlord Sales Agency, so I do sell some of my properties off-market to my own investors. But I'm also picking and choosing and putting the most appropriate properties with local agents. So what I'm finding is if you've got a cooperative tenant or if the property's empty and you do a quick uh, tidy-up, you'll get at least three or four times the number of buyers with a really good local agent than if you just put them on line with right move. And That's interesting. So is it better to sell with, I mean, because we're going to come on to tenants because we want to make that a, a big focus of this particular episode. But is it? do you think people are more inclined to buy if there's a tenant in situ? No. Oh, um, again, I'd say the answer to that is no, unless you've got... Uh, top paying tenant and I've uh, you know one of the, the the stories I was going to give you is like a, one of our clients is a small portfolio landlord giving us a few properties to sell fortunately we sold them all but one of them is in Warrington it was holding out for about 115 120 grand but it's tenant uh, two bedroom terrace lovely nice little kind of cottagey terrace only paying 490 pound a month the market rent's a 50 now um, a wow. year or so ago, the market rent was six fifty. It's never put the rent up, and the rents have shot up. So no one wants to buy that with a tenant in. But by all means, if he had been getting eight nine hundred quid a month on it, he would have had people coming out of his ears. So the question is, is how much is your tenant paying, and how nice, of, how 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 good a tenants are they, 
um, and how well they're looking after the house. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? So what what, do you, what does somebody do in that situation? Because presumably you are allowed to put your tenants rent up. I've kind of, it depends on the relationship you've got with the tenant. Um, and, and really the problem that you've got is you also understand their finances. So what have they actually got in the tank? Can they pay anymore? Because they'll all not pay anymore um, if they can get away with it. So what I've had to do with my own portfolio, and some landlords are afraid to do it, haven't done it, other landlords have done it, is you've got to write to them in a nice way, explain what you're doing and put the rents up. And, you know, there's a process to do that, a Section 13 notice. A lot of tenants... um, and landlords might not know about that process, but you you know, as long as you're putting your rents up in line with what the market rent is, then tenants can't not pay that rent legally. Uh, they can go through a complaints process with the rent tribunal, but if their only complaint is they can't afford it, it won't wash. Uh, so they've got to pay that. So what I found that works for me, and I've um, I've you know I've helped a lot of landlords out with this very method really is to do a carrot and stick approach so wrote to my tenants and look market rents 900 you know i can do you a deal at 800 issue them with the 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 relevant notice but then say look if you want to buy the property or no one who wants someone who wants to buy you can have first choice to buy but if you can't pay the rent increase or whatever and you're happy to help me with viewings to sell it or or whatever it is i want to do then i'll pay you 500 quid a grand or whatever yeah. it is to move into a new property. And I've found that every tenant, if you approach them in the right way, that I've come across luckily so far, has cooperated when they've been approached like that. So I think you can, you know, this this tenant, we've sold it to an owner-occupier. They were all ready to move in. Tenant couldn't find another place. She can only afford 490. That's a one-bedroom flat. So she's trying to get herself on a council waiting list and she's low priority. So we've offered her £3,000 to see if we can help her get a new property. But uh, even that's going to be potentially not enough, you know, to sway her. It's going to be touch and go. The owner-occupier who wants to move in, uh, mortgage runs out in January and they agreed to buy this in June. So we've been at it. Wow, you know, Ian's for that long trying to negotiate because the landlord was afraid, um, or you know, really reluctant to give the section 21 notice, give the section 13 notice because they didn't want the tenant to not cooperate, not not pay the rent, or stop paying the rent, should I say? Uh, so there's reasons why people do things, and uh, sometimes it works out for you, sometimes it doesn't. I'm back on terms with this. Tenant again, uh, sometimes they go off the boil and sometimes they come back and she's going to do everything she can to move out by January. But the landlord who agreed to buy it in June, the interest rates were a lot lower then than they are now. So if they have to get a new mortgage, it's going to be like, you know, a couple of percent higher. Yeah, yeah. So everything is a bit crazy out there. I mean, what is a tenant doing then? Are they kind of, if they refuse to move and they're, the rent has gone up, but they can't pay the rent. So they're still paying their, you know, four fifty, whatever it is, even though the, the the value of the place is eight fifty. You've done them an eight hundred deal. What's their legal position on that? Do they become kind of almost like pseudo squatters? 
No. So what what would happen there? So if you issued a Section 13 notice and a Section 21 notice, you could issue both. So, so 13 is the rent increase. That's notice, the rent right? increase. Yeah. Your rent's going up from 490 to 800. Yeah. And if they don't appeal as successfully or lodge an appeal within a month, then they've got to pay it. And if they don't pay it, they'll be building up arrears. And in effect, they could become liable for the Section 8 arrears, yeah? So they could do it that way. But if you then issued them with a Section 21 then obviously you've got to go through that process mm. two months, then apply for possession, pay all the costs for that. Another couple of months go before you get in front of a judge, then he issues proceedings, and then it's going to be another two or three months for the bailiffs to turn up Ugh. or whatever. So Section 21 from the start, he should have done it in June, but he didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, so now he's like reluctant to do it again. So a tenant could just stay there for another eight months until he issues the Section 21 or you've just got to hope for the best that, you know, you'll find, she'll find a place, move out because the pressure's on, it's relentless communication and she'll take the, uh, the carrot. But if you don't have the stick, then you're relying on just the carrot and sometimes that just yeah. doesn't work. You've got to have both. Yeah, that's true enough. Uh, and I mean, and in one case as well, uh, separate to this, a, a tenant owing what's like 17 grand. Yeah, so there was somebody that and I've known this person, 22 years, landlord, got 40 properties. I got lucky and in COVID, all my tenants paid the rent. You know, so some people got unlucky and some tenants were in a situation they couldn't pay it or didn't want to pay it. I'm not sure about this tenant. He was a self-employed electrician or whatever. So I weren't sure whether he got furlough or COVID bounce back loans or whatever. But he took it upon himself not to pay rent for two years couldn't get them out 17 grand in arrears so we've issued him with a section eight he phoned me up on my mobile i give everyone my mobile because i just want to sort it out phone me on my mobile um oh mate i put a kitchen in there years ago and i've done some repairs I said, well like look no one asked you to put a kitchen in uh, no one asked you to do the repairs and you owe 17 grand in rent and the only reason he phoned up is because he got the section eight and he started having a look around at how much he, he'd have to pay rent for other properties and he needs a clear credit record to get him. So he's a bit stuck. So even in that, I said, look, you've you started paying your rent now and the landlord might move you out of this property into another property, which he's got nearby in Mould in North Wales. Um, if you carry on paying the rent, we could do that, but she's got to sell this one now because she needs to get about 60 grand out of it. Um, to pay for, you know, whatever else is going on in the market, refurbs, the rent increases, they're go, she's going to be, you know, her rent's gone up by about seven and a half grand a month in the last few months. You've got to pay that. Um, so that tenant owed 17 grand. I had one of mine um, stopped paying the rent. I issued him with a section 13 notice to go to 750, market rents 900. And while interest rates were at 0.1, or 0.5%. I didn't move it from 550 for, I don't know, six, seven years. And when I put the rent up, that annoyed him because he said, Dave, I've got um, some repairs. I said, well, I didn't know about him. I said, but like, I'll get my builder around. I said, but you can't just not pay the rent. I said, look, let's do a deal. I'll do the repairs, pay me off of the arrears, carry on paying the rent. And if you can do that, uh, let's, um, let's bygones be bygones. But even to get him, to the negotiating table, he had to get the section eight and realize that you know the rents around the market are nine hundred, not seven fifty. So um, you know, does he want 
you know, he's got a wife and kids. What do you want to do? Do you want to yeah. play silly buggers or do you want to have a decent relationship and pay the rent? It's tricky, isn't it? Because most cases, as you, you, you've said consistently, David, are you can negotiate and there's usually a way around it and most people are reasonable. But it, the minute you stumble across somebody who isn't reasonable and somebody who's got other ideas or... You know, even if they were once once very reasonable people, you know, being in precarious situations, whether it's financial or housing, does things to people, right? I mean, it can change a person. You think, hang on, that tenant was fine for 10 years. What the hell happened? And now I've got somebody threatening to not pay the rent. Yeah, um, who knows what goes on in people's lives. But, you know, there's a lot, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I try and empathise, yeah. But, you know, some tenants and some landlords have not looked after properties. They've not had relationships with people and everyone's getting caught out at the moment with the um, cost of living crisis. I was reading something about tenants, uh, student tenants, you know, they're all, you know, they want to save all of the money to go to the pub and they're all shared housing or whatever. And they're all kicking off with each other for leaving the lights on or drinking the milk. So people get affected in, in different ways. And I think the relationship that you've built with your tenant over the years and the, and the, and the, the effort that you've put in to keep on top of things um, is vital. And I've been caught out, you know, I've got under properties and gone, you know, you'll spend 10 grand a month on repairs. There's never enough people and never enough money you can spend on these houses. So, so, you know, it, but it, you do get the odds road, you know. I've had, you know, people say you've had growths in properties. You know, you get things like that going on with cannabis growths, and you, you know, you have a nightmare with them. And then you will get some people who just will not pay the rent. I've had a couple. No matter what you do, they won't pay the rent. But I've, I've then took it, got managed to get them out. Look at all of the letters. They haven't paid anybody anything. County court judgments coming out their ears and and all kinds of things. So you will get some rogues. But I think we missed the trick when we put those uh, tenants in. So I've had a few different letting agents in my time in, and now I've got a really good one. You know, the husband works for me, worked for me for eight years. The wife runs a really successful letting agency called Let's Assist on the Wirral. And um, they've got a really thorough tenant-finding system. So they'll they go, you know, they, they make sure everyone's got a... Uh, guarantor you know they do all of the checks they won't put them in and then you get no problems but if you've cut any corners in the past then those uh, those corners can come back to haunt you so you've got to put the effort in use a good agent to get a good tenant in the first place keep the relationship going in and maybe a little bit of give and take when they come upon hard times as people do sometimes every now and again but you've got to be firm it's not all one way you've got to be carrot and stick i say if they you know, use the process of section 13, section 21, section eight, and it brings everyone back to the negotiating table. And if you don't do that, you'll end up with low rents, people taking the mickey, and uh, you'll come unstuck. A friend of mine found themselves in a situation where she was uh, renting a house. The tenant was a good tenant for a number of years. Uh, she needed to get the house back because she wanted her, her parents who were elderly. Um, one was quite ill. She wanted them to move in, gave plenty of notice. He said not good enough and then suddenly started to produce a list of all the things that were mysteriously wrong with this very tidy and very nice property. And there was all manner of things. And what I think he was doing here was he was stalling, basically. And he was hoping, obviously, for housing from the council. Uh, what she found is that instead of the council 
following logic and saying, you know, here's a guy that's clearly stalling. He doesn't want to pay the rent. He was, you know, he's, he's creating a fuss. He wants to stay in there as long as he can because he needs to be evicted and he needs to be evicted because that's his quickest way of getting social housing. And of course, the council, they're short of properties. So it's in their interest to keep him in there as long as possible. And instead of following the logic, the council kind of appeared to almost take the tenant side on this. Mm. And suddenly saying to her, well, you've got to address this and you've got to address that. And she said, well, there's nothing wrong here. But he was prolonging the process. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And um, I'm also fortunate and I've got a really good solicitor uh, called Shuja who knows his onions on this. I've worked with him for about 10 years and um, he's he's won every single possession hearing for me. Yeah. And I, I was speaking to him recently because he won one yesterday, Section 21 account. I had a tenant paying 550 in St. Helens. They've been in there 10 years. I asked them for a rent increase. They said no. Uh, but they, they did pay the rent. When we issued them with the Section 21 notice to come up with a list of repairs, you know, oh, I haven't had the notice properly, oh, we haven't had a gas set. They come up yeah. with a, an endless list. So we just got witness statements from the letting agent, provided all of the information, paid for the solicitor who did a proper witness statement, got a sense check with the with the letting agent, knows the rules that when you get in front of a judge and you do it properly, whether there's any repairs or whatever, they're, they're, they're disingenuous, it's just... They're not tied to the case. If you want a Section 21 to get your house back or property back to sell it, then the repairs are irrelevant. If somebody owes you money, uh, is in arrears, not paying the rent in the Section 8, the repairs are irrelevant. Yeah. And the council overstepped the mark. There's, um, I don't know the, the, the actual regulations about it. When I spoke to him, he said, Dave, the council's, overstepping the mark and regulation S101, whatever it is, I'll, I'll get it uh, from him. I'll, I'll email it to you. But basically, the, the councils aren't allowed to just um, get you to do every single repair on a house and legally try and enforce it. And then you are then not required to have all of that done before you evict a tenant. So, But you don't know that unless you've been through a lot of pain like I have, where some people have lost some, some, you know, some, I've lost some cases and I've got a solicitor who now wins them all and he's really clued up. And that's, um, you know, that's all I can say really is that, you know, if you, there shouldn't be any issues with councils preventing you from evicting tenants but you might need a good solicitor. Because really that is a problem, ropes. isn't it, for councils? Because they've got no properties either. So they're, they're kind of stuffed. They rely a lot on the private sector, as, as you know better than most. Uh, so if somebody gets disgruntled and they're thinking, hang on a sec, if this person's kicked out, it's our responsibility now to house them. So you can see why some councils might not want to play ball with the landlord. Well, I, Ian, if I, if I just finish, so it depends on... Um, so I had a silver line and one I had a, a tenant and the house did need repairs. I'll give it that. Um, tenant was paying 525, was always not paying the top up. But ended up with about two grand in arrears. The market rent is about 800, 900 after you do the repairs. So we issued a section eight, and th this tenant had been refusing access for us to come in to do some repairs. So it was one of those tenants as well. And um, in the end, we had two people from the council contact us. One to do the repairs, you know, this overzealous, you know, councillor with a bit of, bit of uh, authority and power. But we also had another person in the council about the rehousing, 
And we ended up coming, you know, ended up coming up smelling the roses on it because the, the, the one that was doing the house and said, Dave, we'll get the arrears paid off. They paid off the arrears and cre- agreed a rent increase to seven fifty a month from five right. twenty five and paid it direct. Yeah. Got the tenant to agree access and we got the repairs done. Now that is, it's not a one-off, but it's not every council. But again, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have a good letting agent and if we didn't have a Section 8 process, but they didn't have anything to rehouse this tenant, didn't want to move. and But they also went a step further, which was assessing the local housing allowance that the tenant was entitled to. And some tenants don't know what they're entitled to. She was actually entitled to more than what she was paying. So there's a lot that goes into these things. So every case is different. But again, if you follow the process, I got lucky on that. I'm now getting 750, tenants happy, both people in the council are happy and that, you know, that problem's gone away and I move on to the next one. Just a final point then, David, just give us an overview as to why some landlords are selling. I mean, there might be some just saying, I want to reshape my business. I want to, you know, I've got too many properties, but there are others, of course, who've got issues, you know, clearly they, they might just own one or two properties their their rent isn't even meeting their mortgage payments now so there's that there's obviously issues about energy ratings and what that's going to do 2025 is a bit of a deadline there yeah i think uh all of the above and sometimes it's hard to keep track so immediately i'd say a friend of mine who's got 40 properties she's selling because she's got properties that are empty they need refurbs and whereas before she had the rental profits to pay for the refurbs and and what what have you now she hasn't so she's she's fire selling a lot of them property that she could probably she could hold out and get 184 she's taken 160 so some landlords have just got a sell to get because they've um you know financially they've become an unstuck with the interest rates and the rents others like myself i you know i'm not in that dire situation i've got money in the bank and i've got some good tenants paying rents but like i'm you know, I live in Cheshire. I'm selling the ones in Lincolnshire. And I'm, I'm, I'm selling, you know, some that have got like good margins in them and I, I'm releasing some cash. And, you know, I'm just deciding which ones to sell when they come empty, do a refurb, let them out. I've got a letting agent that's getting me uh, nurses from Nigeria, uh, getting me that £900 a month on a, on a rent that should only be 750 So, you know, wow. there's some there's some good rents that you can get out there. Yeah, but- yeah. Um, and I think some people are just like, you know, I even I've not bud- budgeted for the EPCs yet. I've probably got my head buried in the sand a little bit. I'm dealing with the immediate stuff now, thinking, well, what am I going to do with the with the EPCs further down the line? Um, and um, I'm not going to sell everything, so I'm going to have to budget for that. Um, so that's I think that's a story for a, for another day. Ian. But I don't <laughs> I, think many landlords are selling because of EPCs. I think it's for the immediate problems to sell them for now. Yeah, got it. Landlordsalesagency.co.uk. That's the best place to go, right? That's great. Yes, please. Anytime. If you want to reach out, whether you want to buy or sell, um, if you just want to have a chat, reach out. Happy to have a discussion with you and see if we can help you out. Good work. LandlordSalesAgency.co.uk. David, we'll speak to you on the next episode. Lovely. Thanks a lot, Ian. Bye for now.